Welcome back to Women of the Word. As you learn more about how to study the Bible, I wanted to share a resource you can give to the young person in your life to encourage them to do the same. The ESV Teen Study Bible features thousands of study notes to help teens know and apply scripture to their own lives. Check out the link in the show notes to get the Teen Study Bible today. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Women of the Word podcast. I'm Lauren Susanto here with Jen Wilkin. Jen, thanks for joining me again today. Good to be here. So we've talked through comprehension. We've talked to through interpretation. And today we're going to be looking at application, which is the third and final step of the Bible study process, although it's probably one people are the most familiar right, with. Right, right. So let's start this conversation like we have the other ones. Can you define it and how is it different from interpretation? Okay, so think back to a couple episodes before. We did comprehension, which asked the question, what does it say? So it was dealing a lot with factual information, with the flow of arguments, being able to answer some simple questions over a passage after you're done studying it. Then interpretation says, what does it mean? So getting to the meaning that was placed there by the author, uh, not assigning our own meaning to it, but the meaning that was placed there for us to discover. And then when we move on to application, we assume that we're doing this after having done those first two and application is going to ask, what should I do with it? How should it change me? So we get very practical at the very last stage. And it's the one, like you said, that most of us are familiar with because a lot of what we have done over the last 20 or 30 years is the application piece. It's the other two that we didn't have underneath it that we've done ourselves first. Yeah. It's easy to kind of start with this piece. People want to start here yeah. rather than do the first two processes to, to get to this point. I know I've used a lot of metaphors as yeah. we've talked through all of this, but allow me to introduce another one Let's, here at, yes, the, at the end. Um, we can think of it in terms of like salad, main course, and dessert. And uh, application is dessert. It's your reward for having eaten your salad and your main course. If you grew up in a home with a parent who said, you're not allowed to have dessert until you have <laughs> right. finished your dinner. But a lot of us have eaten a lot of dessert and not a lot of salad and main course. And so there's a little bit of a relearning that we need to do when we start to use application tools as a part of a bigger process and not as the process itself. Maybe let's talk a little bit about how we know it's time to move from interpretation to application. When can we know I've done, I've done the work of this, here's how I know I'm ready to kind of apply the passage now. Mm -hmm. So we don't rush through any of the other two stages first? How can we kind of prevent ourselves from rushing? Well, I think a lot of it depends on the complexity of the passage itself and on how much time you have had to spend in it. You know, a lot of the resources that we're given can give us the impression that application is something that you do immediately. And sometimes it is, honestly, sometimes it is. The simplest way to reach the application stage is to have the Holy Spirit convict you of something yeah. and you're like, I need to stop right now and pray about this, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. uh, but that's not always the way that something goes. I mean, there are sometimes large swaths of the Old Testament, for example, where we just get done even after spending time in them and we're just really not sure what we're supposed to draw from it for personal use or even for general use as the children of God. And so um, I think, you know, as we've talked about in the in the approach, the, the five Ps that sort of govern this, patience plays a big factor in this. You don't want to rush application. You also don't want to squelch an application that the Spirit is, is clearly giving to you that might arise in the moment. You, you mentioned this briefly, but 
talking about the, how the Holy Spirit can sometimes prompt us to mm-hmm. something that we mm-hmm. convict us mm-hmm. of ways we should or shouldn't mm-hmm. be acting an easy application potentially for a mm-hmm. passage. Or encourage or yeah. exhort. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. What other role should prayer take in the application process? Yeah. I, I do think that the the prayer element is if, if you don't already know what you should do with it, then you can obviously commit to pray that the Lord would show you how you're supposed to react or respond to what you're seeing there. Um, and then if you do know what you should do with it, then you can, you can employ prayer to confess or to request whatever it is that is being drawn out of the passage for you. Really helpful. Yeah. So I think, you know, most people are going to be really familiar with this stage of the process. We don't need Mm -hmm. to spend a lot of time defining it. It's Mm -hmm. pretty self-explanatory, but potentially people aren't necessarily utilizing the step of the process correctly, or Mm -hmm. there could be some misconceptions that could be helpful to hear from you on to, to kind of guide us in Mm -hmm. this part of the process. Mm -hmm. So maybe one question to that end is, should we have an application for every single thing that we read in scripture? Yeah, not necessarily. I mean, there is an application, but it may be that it requires several chapters for you to make. Some, there will be a single verse that there's something that you can apply. And so we've talked about genre. We've talked about different styles of writing. And depending on the kind of writing you're in, you may have greater or lesser frequency of pausing to have an application point. So like if you've ever read through Proverbs... I don't know how people read through Proverbs in a month in a way that they're able to like take it all in because you you have to stop literally every verse right. if you were thinking about, oh, what do I do with this? There's something to do yes. at every point. Uh, but that's not the way that um, the book of Isaiah is, for example. You might go on for several chapters thinking, I'm really not sure what to do with any of this. Uh, and that's that's okay because application can be both the work of a moment and the work of a lifetime and somewhere in between. And so when we recognize that, we can also recognize that while we may have had an in the moment application, it might be pointing us to additional layers of application. In fact, I would say it is. I think there are cumulative application points that we begin to be better at drawing on the more time we have spent in the scriptures. That's a good point. So maybe speak a little bit to when we find some, like when we're, when we're ready to apply a passage, does application always have to be something that's going to change my actions or change my behavior or is gaining new knowledge or a new way to think about something enough? Does that count, quote unquote, mm-hmm. as an application. Yeah. So gaining knowledge matters. And sometimes, like we said, you need that knowledge to sit and, and soak for a little bit. It needs to, it needs to take on some time. In fact, it's funny. Uh, one of the, I think one of the, the quotes out of Women of the Word that I get the most questions about is in the book, I said something to the effect of, of course, knowledge for knowledge's sake would be sinful. Uh, and, and people read that and I think thought I meant that learning was potentially sinful. Uh, I mean, knowledge that self-elevates, knowledge that is just for the purpose of me feeling awesome about me, but knowledge that is um, over the course of a lifetime revealing to me the nature and character of God is never knowledge just for knowledge's sake, right? We've right. talked about how we're learning because it's relational. And so, um, but that relational knowledge that we're gaining doesn't always immediately yield something that we know what to do with it. Sometimes it does. 
So anyone who's done my studies knows that uh, one of my repeated application questions is, um, what did I learn is true about God? So for example, I learned that God is omniscient in a particular passage, he knows all things. And then uh, the, the general templated application question is knowing that God is this, is omniscient, shows me that I am, then I have to see myself in relationship to it. Oh, I'm limited in my knowledge. So that should do something. That should impact the way I think about myself and then therefore the way that I live my life. So then the follow-up question is, therefore I will. And so an example of an answer to that would be, I will trust that the God who knows all things is capable of managing all things. That would be an example of an application point. Well, trust is sort of a vague concept. Am I going to pray that way? Am I going to live that way? Am I going to speak that way? Uh, is that gonna shape my current relationships differently? Because if I really think God knows all things, then am I gonna run around trying to know all things about what my kids are into or about what my husband's into? Or am I able to trust the Lord that the Lord can manage all of that? So you can see how the application idea can take on layers and can be a source of meditation which expands and makes me think deeper and deeper about how I might, might respond. I think a good general if, if you were to ask me what is the one application question that the Bible is asking as a whole, yeah. what is it calling me to, um, it, would, it would be, be holy for I am holy. So like when I'm reading, I should be asking, how do I grow in holiness as a response to what I'm reading? So that's the overarching idea, but then that can filter down into a lot of different ways of thinking about application. So thinking of that, there's different ways of application. Can people apply one passage different ways and is that okay? Yeah, we would expect that people would have different takes on the application of a passage, but they shouldn't be completely unrelated to one another. And this actually points us back to something we talked about in a previous episode. Before we can talk about what a passage means for me and for now, we need to first have spent time talking about what a passage meant for them and for then. That's the original audience. So that has to do with those interpretive questions we talked about, asking the five basic questions of a book and trying to get into the skin of the original hearers. And then after we ask, what did it mean for them and for then, we want to ask, therefore, what does it mean for us and for always? What does it mean for the church? This, I would say, is the most underutilized aspect of application as we see it expressed in the church today um, because we're so individualistic in our culture that we're not even very interested in that layer of application. What we're really interested in is for me and for now. But if I don't understand how something relates to the church as a whole, then I'm more likely to come up with a personal application that is so personal that it is not honoring to the way that the passage is speaking to a general audience. What are some other good application questions for people to keep in mind? Those are great ones. And I'm mm -hmm. sure I, I sometimes have a hard time thinking about that broader church corporate mm -hmm. application questions. So that's really helpful. What are some other ones that people should keep in mind? Well, so when I'm writing application questions, I'm always thinking, how can I hit as many people in the room as possible? And so um, I'll think through just some general categories, but they're also helpful to me personally. So whatever the truth is that I have seen emerge that I know that I need to apply, I'm going to ask, how does this truth change the way, so you can hear the action point in it, how does this truth change the way that I think, speak, act, pray? 
So think, speak, act, pray. You don't have to ask all four of those for a given yeah. truth. You could certainly, as a personal exercise, think through every aspect of those. But if you're leading a small group, for example, and you want to draw out an application point, you could choose one. You could choose two. You could say, you know, based on what I know is going on in this group, which of these do they most need to deal with? If you know that there's a real issue with people committing sins of the tongue, you might spend all of your time thinking about the, the speak element, but then you could point them to how the thinking element is fueling the speaking element. Yeah. So you can see how that think, speak, act, pray is a really good way to think about application questions. And then related to the idea of what does it mean for us and for always is to ask people to think of application in terms of concentric circles of influence or contact. So how does this truth impact my home, church, community, state, nation, you yeah. know, the world? If, if we were to actually start living this, how would it impact um, those spheres. If, if we corporately did this as the church, how would it impact our community? If a lot of churches did this, how would it shape our country? If the church universal did this, the, the, the living church today, how would it impact the world? So um, those can be uh, underutilized ways of thinking about application too, because again, we're so focused on me and my immediate circumstance. And we actually think that is the most beautiful and important way that the Bible speaks to us. And so that's something I think we have to press back on a little because the Bible is not thinking individual, it's thinking communal uh, more often than not. So, or it's thinking first communal and secondly individual. So then um, a last lens that I'll use when I'm thinking through application questions is um, to speak in terms of primary relationships. So a lot of times, and this is for a small group leader, this is really important. You don't want to say, how does this impact your relationship with your kids? Because not everybody in the group has kids. Mm -hmm. How does this impact your relationship with your spouse? Not everyone in the group has that. Everybody has parents, which is a really helpful way to think about, you know, if you want to talk about familial relationships, you can say, you can talk about the parent-child relationship um, from that perspective of like, you know, how does a parent treat a child? Not how do you as a parent treat your child? That's a, that's a different way of expanding out the question. Um, but rather than even going to a specific relationship, you can say, um, you know, we all have primary relationships. Maybe it's through work. Maybe it's through family. Maybe it's through your church. Who are the people you're most invested in? And if you were to take this truth and actually live like you believed it, how would that primary relationship be materially better as a result? Um, and those are helpful ways for people to sort of bring it home and think, oh, I really do have a hard time with this coworker. And it's probably because I don't wanna deal with this truth that the Lord has been showing me. So um, those are just some general, it's not exhaustive, but those are some general ways to think about asking good application questions. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. Help us to keep some of those broader application points in mind mm -hmm. and not just to focus on application as it only relates to me or how does it change my life. Right. Uh, maybe now let's talk through some potential pitfalls when it comes to application, maybe some some common areas of misapplication. Yeah, well, so obviously if your interpretation is off, then your application is right. probably gonna be off too. <laughs> 
And as is the case with interpretation, with application, context is king. It's always, you know, it's always going to be the governor on how we interpret a particular passage and then apply it. So like some of the most commonly misapplied scriptures would be um, Philippians 4.13 is a really common one. And there's actually been some good teaching lately on like, hey guys, don't do this anymore. (laughs) But where we're like, oh, I can do all things. And then we use it to baptize whatever harebrained idea we have, you know, and say the Lord is just going to be my support in this or we just naively think that it means that whatever comes my way I'm going to be successful at right Right. Um, and so then when you zoom out and you look at the context of what Paul is saying there you begin to realize he's talking about how he is able to be content no matter what circumstance he finds himself in and he means he can do all these kinds of things. I can have maintain my contentment in all of these different circumstances. And so um, you can hear the misapplication would be, God is going to help me be a superhero basically. But then the right application would be, uh, any time that I strive for contentment in my circumstances, I will have the Lord there in the midst to help me. And it is possible for me to be content. So that's, then the, the application question would be, where are you battling discontentment right now? And you've told yourself, there's no way I can be content. Uh, And then look to the example of Paul. Paul was shipwrecked and beaten and left for dead. And he's saying in all these things, he could be content. So how might you reframe your current circumstance in light of contentment? So that might be uh, an example there. Um, Another one that I feel a lot of compassion for, but that we should pay attention to uh, and and give its due, a verse that deserves its due, is the, the beatitude that says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. We've all been in a funeral where that has been quoted, um, but that is to pull that particular verse out of context. It's talking about mourning over sin when you leave it in its original context, that you will be comforted because you'll receive the comfort of the gospel. And so people will sometimes hear this and they feel disappointment because they felt comforted when someone read that to them at, at the loss of a loved one. And so I'm always quick to point out, well, there is comfort for us when we grieve the loss of a loved one. And there are passages that are talking to that specifically. It's just not this one. And what you wouldn't want to do is lose the beauty of the true application of blessed are those who mourn, because it is important for us to know that we do receive the comfort of the gospel just because you only understood it to be used in the context of grief over losing a person to death. So, um, you know, is anybody going to become a heretic for misreading that beatitude? No, but you might miss a more important application point from that. When you had somewhere else, you had the comfort for the other thing. If you um, bring your lens to it, that's not the right lens to read on that particular passage. So context and really our interpretation work Mm -hmm. can kind of help protect us from maybe misguided or self-serving applications. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit more about ways that people could arrive at wrong applications. Yeah, I want us to kind of revisit some ideas that we talked about earlier in the podcast because they're going to become very relevant at this stage. So one of them is the instant gratification piece, right? Mm -hmm. Where I'm like, I need, I have a problem right now 
or I have a negative emotion right now, or I have something that I need this to do something for me right now, and I, I needed to do something for me on my own terms. And so having a top of mind awareness of this tendency in us and of our current circumstance or our current stressors and realizing that we don't get to impose those onto a passage to medicate some feeling that we are having. So that's a big one. Um, if all of your application only makes you feel good or encouraged, you're probably missing the, the, the part where you're convicted. If all of it makes you feel convicted, then you're probably missing the part where you are encouraged. And so we should also expect, thinking back to another idea we talked about earlier, um, magic eight ball approach. Mm -hmm. If you are looking to apply something to your specific situation as a means of having certainty, where you have uncertainty about something you should do, then you are probably misapplying a passage because you are again asking the Bible to do something that it's not designed to do. That overarching question I said that captures the heart of application was be holy for I am holy, not make good decisions and God will bless you, right? And right. so when we think about application, we don't necessarily want to be reading a passage and say, well, we, I'm not gonna say necessarily, we do not want to be reading a passage and say, oh, I think I'm supposed to buy this house or this car or take this job. Um, we should be thinking, what kind of a person am I going to be as I live in this house or drive this car or take this job? Um, uh, it doesn't do us any good to marry the right person if we're the wrong person. So when you think about application questions, think about character formation as your watchword rather than circumstance manipulation. Okay, so this was our the last step of the Bible study process, mm -hmm. application. Over the course of the past three weeks, we've talked through all the whole, po the whole process. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So comprehension, interpretation, application. I'm sure there's people listening who think, that was a lot of information. This yeah. feels really overwhelming. Mm -hmm. what, what would you say to somebody who's feeling a little intimidated by this whole process that we've just outlined? Mm -hmm. So um, really the metaphor that we use in Women of the Word is applicable here. Um, we're recognizing the mountain of our ignorance, right? We're yeah. recognizing the, the, that there's something between us and the knowledge of God that we wish that we had. Um, and if you want to move a mountain, you move it one spoonful at a time. So you take up your spoon and you do the work for the day, the, the work that you know that you can do. You make a good start and you know that there will be a cumulative effect. You're going to take that long-term view. You're going to be patient with yourself. You're not going to expect that you can do it on your own. And you're going to surround yourself with people who can help you on the journey, both physical people that you know and can have dialogue with, and then dialogue partners who have written commentaries or who can give you the teaching pieces that you need. But again, we're going to have to let it play out. You should feel the right level of intimidation and also a very right level of encouragement as well, because the Lord does want to make himself known to us. And so um, if we will take uh, steps of obedience, he's going to he's going to meet us. He's going to meet us in the scriptures and he's going to show us who he is. Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Jen, for joining me today. And thank you all for joining us for this episode of the Women of the Word podcast. Join us again next week where Jen and I are going to discuss a range of different Bible study tools from study Bibles to journals to commentaries. We'll talk about them all. So make sure to subscribe if you've enjoyed this conversation so you don't miss an episode and we'll see you all here again next week.
Before you go today, I wanted to let you know about a wonderful book from Crossway called Gentle and Lowly. This best-selling book by Dean Ortland explores God's heart towards sinners and sufferers. It can be so easy to believe that even if God loves us, he is constantly disappointed and frustrated with us. But this book takes us into the depths of Christ's very heart, a heart of tender love drawn to sinners and sufferers. Get yourself a copy by following the link in the show notes.